Thank you, Charlie and Shelly, for joining me. I'd love to start off just by kind of asking you to tell, I guess myself as well as listeners, a little bit about yourselves and what you guys do. Well, I am a licensed psychotherapist and mental health counselor here in New York City for the last 30 years. And I am also the author of a new book called Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA. It came out last November. And and I am a retired nurse. I retired in 2000, well, unofficially in 2011. And um, I've just been enjoying whatever I want to do, going to the park, hanging out with friends, watching TV, whatever I feel like. Love that. So if you don't mind taking it a little bit, I guess, back to the beginning, um, would you guys mind telling the story of how you met? Go ahead. You can go. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll make it short and sweet. Okay. Well, um, it was 2000. Okay. And I was building my practice at the time by reaching out to single New Yorkers and uh, at lecturing on uh, dating skills. You notice he said lecturing. No, not- lecturing, lecturing. Not, I'm not a... <laughs> I was, well, maybe I was a bit of a lech with, uh, with, with Shelly, but anyway. Um, so, uh, and I was lecturing at, uh, at a Y in Little Neck, and uh, Shelly was there. And um, I had her sign my sign in sheet after I gave my talk and <clears throat> called her to see if she wanted to do my workshop. <clears throat> and she said, No, it's too far. You're in Brooklyn, I'm in Long Island. Right. Uh, yeah, and uh, I didn't want to travel. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and yeah, and was... Charlie, had you remembered her from the from the lecture when you called her about the workshop? Well, yes, uh, I did. And okay. when I learned from her that she didn't want to uh, to come to the workshop because it was in Brooklyn, um, I mean, little beknownst to us, God giggled at that moment because. <laughs> Little did we know that she'd be coming to Brooklyn a lot. But uh, right. And living in Brooklyn since 2003. And three, yes. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, that's another but story. But I was, I was out of an 18-year marriage with two children <laughs> who stayed with him. Okay. And uh, I just wanted to, I was going from work home, work home, work home. And finally, I decided to go out and like meet people. Yeah. And that's when I met him. And when I learned that uh, she was not interested in my workshop, then she was fair game. And I realized that (laughs) it sounded like just somebody I could have fun with. So I invited her out on a date. He thought I'd be an easy lay. (laughs) (laughs) The the truth is, (laughs) is that there's an old rock and roll song called Fooled Around and Fell in Love. And okay. that's what happened to me. Uh, I thought that, yeah, I could just have fun with her. Uh, I, at that moment, I was not open to anything serious. I had just gotten out of a, uh, I mean, I'd been divorced eight years before that, but okay, just got out of a, um, a, a relationship and just was up for some fun. And I thought Shelly would be a good time. And uh, <laughs> we ended up, 
in bed. On the first date. On the first date. And then, nice. and then he had the audacity, actually, before we ended up in bed, he had the audacity to lure me by saying, would you like to take a shower with me and I'll wash your hair? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which is the single slickest move I ever made on a woman. And I I never, I didn't, I've never done it before uh, okay. uh, in my life. So it wasn't a signature move. No, not at all. And I just okay. felt moved to do that. Um, and and it worked. It worked. Right? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, I broke my own advice. You know, I would dev- generally give advice to people. Don't sleep with the person on the first date. Um, but, uh, but we did. And, uh, and gee, that was the beginning. The rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, mean, I was, uh, I was amazed. And, you know, after, I, I, you know, after one makes love, at least if one is of the male persuasion, often, uh, maybe women do this too. I don't know. You tell me, uh, uh roll over, you lie on your back and, uh, and, and men sometimes, or I uh, would like think, okay, what's my assessment? Well, she's great. I give this, I'll give this uh, two, th- maybe three months. And <laughs> after the second date, where we don't make it out of out of my apartment because uh, we just wind up in bed again. Yeah. Uh, after a delightful talk and 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 connection. I lay in bed afterwards and I think, all right, maybe six months. <laughs> so as you guys are having these, you know, oh, it's just a fun time. The more and more you're doing it, the more you're realizing like, oh, I want to spend more time with her. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I still didn't know. Shelly's much wiser than I am in many ways and certainly smarter when it comes to certain things. And uh, uh, I, I, she, she knew that she was in love with me way before I knew that I was in love with her. My heart, as it is with most women. Yeah, mm. my, my my heart knew, but uh, but my mind didn't. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, she doesn't meet my laundry list of criteria for you know what I was looking for. Right. So um, I, I I was dismissing her in my mind as just you know. Uh, basically a recreational relationship. And and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that now because, like, I, I was thinking at the time, like, uh, gee, I'm going to hurt this person. Uh, you know, she seems to be all gaga over me. And <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm afraid of just, you know, of, of hurting her. And the best advice I got, which was from my therapist at the time, he said just sort of wisely, he just said, just go with it. Just enjoy yourself. <laughs> Just have a good time. I guess he knew what was going on. And one day I realized to my amazement that I was hopelessly, helplessly in love with this woman. I, I love that. Well, you know, it's funny because in the beginning you said that, you know, you get you you give the advice of don't sleep together on the first date, which I think is some very tried and true advice. And a lot of times it makes sense. But I think your story and a lot of people's story goes to show that, like, sometimes when there's a connection, there's just a connection. Mm. And 
whether you sleep with someone on the first date or you make them wait three months, you just don't know when you're going to get those feelings for someone and it just happens. Correct. Well, you know, I was 49 years old out of the marriage. I wasn't looking for anything serious. So you weren't looking for anything serious either. You went into it thinking this is just going to be a fun time as well. Yeah, that's all. Getting my feet wet again. It was a shock for me. It really was. (laughs) To wake up one day and realize, oh, I'm in love with this woman. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God. Not only was I in love, but I realized how deep I was in it. I was in almost over my head. Like, I was just (laughs) crazy about this woman. Well, it's funny because also in the beginning you said it feels like Shelly kind of knew. And I think a lot of times um, in relationships, women know really, really quickly and and then they, their feelings, they're, it's really strong at first and their feelings sort of even out. And with men, it's like they're a lot more apprehensive. And then one day, three months in, they wake up and they're helplessly in love. And like it takes them a little bit longer for their feelings to even out. It's like they go from low to really, really high. And then it has to even out after a while. <laughs> well, I think you're right about the difference between men and women in, in general in that way. But the only thing, Ray, is we never evened out. Right. We... Um, Still hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. And helpless. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. It, it's That's been for tw- um, over 20 years now we've been together and it's, it's still, there's still magic. Yeah. And I don't know how or why, but. Um, don't overthink it. I won't. It just is. It's true. <laughs> like your therapist said, just go with it. That's right. Yeah. So I know we're going to dive a little bit deeper into M2 MDMA specifically, but was when you guys first started dating, was experimentation with substances, like were you guys already doing that sort of thing and then you decided to do it together or like did you experiment for the first time together? I guess how did experimentation with substances start? Well, Charlie told me on our first date, I guess, that he was a hippie. Okay. (laughs) Back in the day. Back in the day. And back in the day, I was going on a different path. I was in nursing school for three years, and then I was working in a hospital, and then I went overseas. I had a lot of history behind me, but all very serious. In fact- So you were not a hippie? No, not at all. We were really totally different. And when I met him- I mean, I, I knew about, I knew what LSD was. I knew what mushrooms were. I, I knew about uh, ecstasy, but I never had an opportunity, never even had the, the urge to try it until I met him. Um, and w- and when he told you that he was kind of a hippie, it kind of piqued your, it piqued your interest versus you being like, oh, I'm not interested in that. Your brain was more like, oh, I'm interested. Well, as I had, I, I did a YouTube on Charlie's channel uh, okay. Alone, and I said, after I left my my now ex husband, um, I was ready to spread my wings. And okay. I was open. I was forty nine, open for anything. I mean, well, within reason. If somebody right. came to me and told me about, I mean, like Scientology is not my thing. And if somebody came out, if I met somebody who was into Scientology, no offense, but I probably, you know, probably wouldn't have done it for me. But right. psychedelics really, really, it piqued my interest. Yeah. So when one day she came to me and told me that she wanted to try ecstasy, which um, is what MDMA was called at the time, 
uh-huh. uh, I was I was uh, quite yeah I was quite taken aback because I had given it up. Uh, I did it I, I did it in the nineties. I didn't know at the time about the protocols to make it safe. I didn't know right. about hydration. I didn't know about sleeping well into you know the next day. Uh, I, I didn't know about replenishing my body. Uh, so I had had some bad experiences in the nineties. Okay. But when she said she wanted to try it, I, I looked into it and I wanted to you know I felt responsible for have her having a, a decent experience. So I uh, educated myself and went out and found some pure MDMA. Okay. Yeah. An eccentric person on uh, in, in Lower Manhattan, uh, <laughs> and uh, and decided, okay, well, now we'll pay more. I'll do it a little more maturely. Maybe I'll do it with her as well. And so we uh, we did it uh, the first time, and um, uh, at at a friend's house uh, who loaned us their house uh, in upstate New York for the weekend, and uh, and, and the first time that. After it it uh, it was starting to come on, I looked at Shelly and she looked like she was. I mean, she would always struck me as very alive and awake, but it looked like she was actually coming out of a a, a different kind of sleep. That uh, like waking up for the first time, like her face just looked different and softer, wow. and 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 uh, there was a, a under right under her skin was coming. There was coming a whole pulse of joy and a deep, deep relaxation, it seemed to me. It was magical. Yeah. It was definitely magical. It's my favorite medicine. It's become my favorite medicine because it is magical. It makes you feel just so good. Yeah. So would you mind explaining I what what exactly MDMA is because I think a lot of people like use MDMA and Molly interchangeably, but it is different, right? MDMA, Molly, and ecstasy. Ecstasy and Molly are more like street names, right? They are, and these days, no matter what you buy, you never know what you're getting. Right. In other words, regardless of what the person selling you it is telling you it is, you really have to test it. And okay, uh, I won't buy anything that I don't test. I bring my testing kit, which you can get online through an organization called dancesafe.org. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's, it's legal to, to obtain. And yeah. I bring that right over to the dealer and I, I test it right then and there. And if it's not pure, I won't buy it and I certainly won't use it. And so uh, you know, we got really careful about that. We only want pure MDMA. And uh, these days, you never know what you're getting until you test it. Got it. So it's important to kind of go into the situation with your own research and with a testing kit to make sure what you're taking is right. That's right. Because uh, the bad stories you hear are from or, or used to hear are from people who uh, did too much or did an adulterated something from an adulterated batch that someone yeah. gave them at a party or a rave or whatever festival, uh, festival and uh, or, or they did too much or they mix it with alcohol etc and then they could have a bad experience 
So with MDMA, is it similar to um, mushrooms in the sense that you can microdose it? Or do you pretty much need to take a full dose to feel the effects? Microdosing is a, a topic that has not been, there's no conclusion yet in the community okay. about whether you should microdose MDMA or not. Some say yes, some say don't. Uh, I don't. Um, okay. So I can't speak to it. I have microdosed the other substances, LSD and 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 mushrooms to mixed effect. Um, but MDMA, we only do a, tip, a, a macro dose, a, a, a standard uh, dose. And these years, we even do a little less um, because I, uh, at my age, I'm 71 now, uh, so uh-huh. I need less to get off. Right, right, right. And so in your book, you call it the chemical of connection. And I think even in your short description of the first time you guys did it together, uh, someone any and anybody who has taken it, I suppose, can understand what that means. But can you explain explain kind of like where you got where what led you to calling it the chemical of connection? Well, uh, I, my experience of it is that uh, it it helps me drop my ego for the time I'm high. Okay. Uh, it it sort of takes away the barrier, the the armor that we all have all the time that helps us negotiate the world and navigate the world uh, and and keep our defenses up. Those defenses are temporarily dissolved. And so one can get in touch with their own deep feelings. Uh, that's why it's good for therapy. Uh, one can yeah. get in touch with the feelings of the person or people that they're with and with the world at large. It helps you connect with yourself, with another, and with nature. So is that is that why you feel like couples can benefit so much from MDMA because of that dropping of the ego and of those barriers that we kind of subconsciously put up in everyday life? Yes, uh, I consider MDMA to be to serve as emotional superglue for relationships. It certainly has for Shelley and I. We were great without it, but yeah. with it, it was a whole extra layer of depth and intimacy and connection uh, and has been the, uh, the icing on our cake. Hmm. So do you guys do it like, um, not even, not on a schedule, I suppose, but often, or do you sometimes say, oh, we're going to not do it for a certain amount of time and then you'll, you'll come back to it. Or is it just kind of whenever the feeling hits and you want to? No, it's scheduled. We always schedule. Oh, it's scheduled. Yeah. We well, always, yeah. We, we do it like every four months, three to three months. Okay. No, two to three months. Two actually. to three months. Yeah. It's special. We don't just say we're hanging around on a Saturday night. What should we do? Oh, let's take MDMA. No, we, okay. we already know the next time we're going to do it. Yeah. We we we, we <laughs> like to do trips within trips. So whenever we go away, we we know we're going to do it. Um like we just recently did in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> Lo- oh, that's lo- I'm sure that was lovely. Mm-hmm. It was different for me, but uh <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um but you know, it it's we sometimes we'll do it with other people. Yeah. And we all do it together and it's wonderful. Um, and uh, we we kind of know 
every year when we're going to do it. We do it for special occasions like New Year's Eve. Every every year we'll do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, or if we go to a rock festival, uh, which we like to go to. Oh yeah. We'll, 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 we'll do it there. Uh, so or a burner event, a local. Right. Event. It's got to be special. Or a fish concert. Or a fish concert, of course. So you don't take it for granted is what you're saying. It's not one of those things that you can just do on – you can do it on a whim, of course, but the, you can benefit the most when it's more planned out and you guys, like I said, I guess treat it like a special thing versus something that you can do anytime. It's not like pot, for example, where right. you know you you feel like you're hanging around, you're lazing around, you want to listen to good music, you, you take a little edible or something. It's not like that. It is special. It's so special that we we keep it rare because we will, we'll do it like maybe five times in a year. Uh, and uh, that because we don't want to lose the, the magic of the experience. That makes sense. I mean, that totally makes sense. It's like it's with anything. If you do it too often, you it loses that you know, the specialness of it, mm-hmm. you yeah. lose it. So if you're able to kind of control yourself and, and go long periods between it, it's going to be magical every time. Well, people have said that, oh, I did so much, it, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me anymore. And we have found that because we don't do it often, and yeah. as we've gotten older, we've discovered different, different dosages work better now. Lower dosages. Lower dosages. We can, after 70 plus rolls, we can still get the magic. Yes. Because you've done it thoughtfully, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. uh, we've done it from a harm reduction point of view. In other words, how to minimize the risks and and listening to our bodies. And you know, my right. body tells me if I if I did MDMA once a month, which I'd love to do, <laughs> um, uh, I so would, would I. <laughs> I would suffer. Uh, my body would suffer. I'd start yeah. I'd start catching colds and. Uh, at this age, and, uh, and 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 it wouldn't hit as 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 hard, uh, or, uh, or as as beautifully as it does. So, my body's taught me uh, to to slow down. That makes complete sense. Do you feel like intimacy as a couple and like sex are a completely different experience on versus off? And do you feel like it can help you off once you've done it on? I suppose. Uh, I feel it's added a whole other layer of uh, uh to our love making but the thing is it's it's a little tricky mdma is not a sex drug it's a love drug and a sensuality drug okay um or i prefer the term medicine uh so uh many men find it difficult to maintain an erection without the help of a little pill i've heard this while on mdma yeah uh, and uh, uh, so what we have found is that if we want to make love, it's best to do it towards the end of the role. And then we mix in the one drug the, and the only drug that we will mix with MDMA, which is cannabis. Okay. Uh, towards the end of a role. And that creates what I'd like to call sextasy. Uh, Interesting. Where, uh, because the MDMA is ebbing, but it's still there, and the marijuana is, of course, an aphrodisiac, uh, so then we can make love in a a gorgeous way. (laughs) 
So even with making love, you've kind of been able to find exactly what way works while you're rolling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and do you feel like it can help that aspect of MDMA can help people get out of their head? I feel like so many people, especially nowadays because of technology and because our attention spans have gotten so low, they have a really hard time getting out of their head and being present during lovemaking. Do you feel like th- that can be something that pe- can help with people who have that problem? Can I talk about that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, we're we're going to get away from MDMA for a few minutes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm going to be 70. And when I was 54 or something, I went through menopause. Okay. We were, we were kind of sad that it's going to, our sex, sex life is going to change. Yeah. And then we discovered that, that cannabis or cannabis and hash would, for me, and I still do it uh, every, every week. Yeah. <laughs> it, it acts like, um, noise canceling headphones for me. It helps, and I, I, I'm talking about a nice dose. I, I do need a little bit of a strong dose in order for it to work. Okay. I, I have to take edibles. I can't smoke. Okay. Um, and it, it prevents me from thinking about oh my daughter called or my son called or having this and this problem, it just get, keeps me in the moment. It okay. cancels everything and it helps me concentrate on my body, concentrate on my feelings. It's it, all my, my nerves up above, down below are like in a heightened state. Yeah. And it's absolutely amazing. That's all I can say. <laughs> And I and I would think that I mean I don't know for Shelley but for me MDMA uh, helps get me in the moment definitely pulls me right into the moment uh, yeah it, that's part of what it's it taught me that's why I wrote I call the book listening to ecstasy because it has a lot to teach me and right. a whole curriculum and one part of the of the teaching is just be here now. It's like what you get when you meditate, what you get when you become a spiritual person. Yeah. Uh, learning to be in the moment. And MDMA is, has, has helped me do that. And uh, certainly that has contributed to my ability to be in the moment during lovemaking. Well, it's, it's, it's so interesting that we're talking about this, whether it's MDMA or marijuana, because there's so much stigma around those substances still in 2021 and it's crazy because it's like all you have to do um at least in you guys's experience is just do it thoughtfully and not take advantage of it and do it in a smart and a smart and thoughtful way and it can be so beneficial i mean we're you know we're referencing it even in the frame of medicine and we're talking about getting out of your head during sex and making you better partners and Mm -hmm. you know combating you know problems with menopause it's like all these things that it's been so beneficial for you guys yet for so many people they're scared because they it's it's been so stigmatized yes and i'm glad you brought that up because that's how you do it makes all the difference You can can abuse uh, cannabis, you can abuse MDMA, and if you do, it's going to abuse you back. Right. Uh, But if you do it responsibly, if you make sure that your dosage is is moderate, that you do it only every so often, that it's pure, 
that you hydrate yourself throughout the experience and a few other simple protocols like that. Set and setting. Uh, the, the, the mindset going in, the, the, being in control of your surroundings. Uh, we've found over 70 times, I mean, we, we have never had a bad experience. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing because I know people who have done it three times and have had a bad experience. Yeah. Well, we're very careful. Tell very them to careful. read the book. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So how do you feel like MDMA can help through like the darker times in someone's life? Maybe even outside of a partner partnership, maybe even in a more, in a more personal dark time. Well, it's, it, it is being used now in clinical trials to treat people with post-traumatic stress disorder, for example. Oh, is it? Yes. Um, and those trials are going so well that uh, MDMA is on course to become a prescription medication by 2023. Wow. Wait, that's so soon. It is soon. Um, so they're starting to use MDMA. Now they're starting to experiment with um, uh, uh, MDMA and alcoholism. Uh, the, the, there's going to be uses for MDMA uh, across the board, including for depression and anxiety. So it's, it's really a medicine, and uh, it's, it's, it helps uh, people uh, uh, heal. And yeah. so uh, one of the good things that are starting to become available now are, are sitters, people who are trained as therapists and uh -huh. as underground sitters. I say underground because it's not illegal yet. Right. Uh, to, to guide somebody through a session and help them through a difficult internal struggle they're having, help them through a difficult time in their life that they're going through. It can be very wow. healing. So for somebody who has maybe experimented with other hallucinogens, would you mind explaining, at least in your experience, how the experience differs from something like LSD or mushrooms? Well, LSD and mushrooms, you call it a hallucinogen, and it is. They are. MDMA, for the most part, some people say they hallucinate on MDMA. I never have. Charlie never has. Okay. Most of the people we know never have. It's it's my favorite because I'm clear-headed. Okay. I can be out in with people and not feel, oh, my God, they're looking at me. You cannot right. tell if we're on it unless we tell you. Right. <laughs> and it, it's user friendly. And uh, if you take, if you follow the protocols, don't take too much. Yeah. Um, start lower if you have to. And then you can always add one thing about, about drugs in general, you can always add, but once you've taken too much, you have to wait it out. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just, you can get around. We've been to gardens. We've been to um, museums. We've done a lot of things outside, and, and I do not feel uncomfortable at all. That's the difference. Whereas with LSD or mushrooms, uh, where it's, it's past a certain dosage, of course, you're hallucinating. And if you're not in control of your environment... And you're outdoors, and uh, it can be an overwhelming experience. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I, I've done mushrooms and it was definitely one of those things where it's like I felt like I had to be in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. And if I couldn't control my, my environment, if I saw even a tree, you know, that rubbed me the wrong way, it could <laughs> mess up my entire experience versus the few times that I have done MDMA, it felt like not a lot could mess up that experience. Like it was it was a lot easier for me to just almost like we've talked about, like get rid of all that outside noise and, and, and triggers and kind of just be happy. Yes. It's what MDMA does actually is it floods the body. It helps you release your own serotonin and oxytocin. So you're flooded with feelings of well-being and safety. Uh, and in some cases, euphoria. Okay. So that tends to be a very positive experience. Right. How could it not, right? (laughs) And it's versatile. You can, the first time I ever went to a rave with with the dancing, I I didn't want to leave. Charlie had to drag me out. And I... (laughs) And At four o'clock in the morning. And, and I kept saying, now I get it. Now I understand why it's a, a drug of choice. You don't want right. to stop dancing. Yeah. So that was that. Then just the very first time I did it uh, at this friend's house, I spent the whole time just nothing sexual, just touching my body, touching my yeah. face, touching my arms. And then afterwards, when we had come down a bit, it was it had been lightly raining, and I said I went, and we were at this place where in the they had a big backyard and it was dark and nobody could see. I said I want to go out naked, and I did. And oh, that sounds magical. Squished around in the grass and the wet grass with the you know warm summer rain hitting me. So that's another way to you know experience playing with that. And then recently, I actually did something when we were in Mexico. I, I, it. Charlie talks about it in the book. I do have a bit of a weight issue, and I did hypnosis while peaking on MDMA. Whoa! This was, this was on February twenty fourth, two weeks ago today. Okay. And since then, I have been listening to hypnosis every day. It's a hypnosis, a hypnotic tape about weight about loss? weight about yeah about weight. Okay. And uh, then I started listening to the same person about um, intermittent fasting. I've been doing that for a few days. Okay. I it's like I have no ill effects. I'm not hungry. It's amazing. I've never been able to do this. And by by listening while under MDMA, it kind of clicked. So that's why, it, you know, it's, it's very versatile. Yeah, that's so interesting that you were able to kind of connect two different forms almost of therapy, of like some therapeutic thing. And then together it, 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 it I mean, it's like you said, it's only been two weeks, but it's possible that it'll completely change things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. So <clears throat> another thing I wanted to ask was, I've been told before, and this could be just something that, you know, people say, whatever. I've been told that taking MDMA with someone that you are not exclusively dating or with someone that you're like maybe not unstable with, but casually dating, maybe you haven't defined it yet. And maybe, you know, you haven't had that conversation or you like them more than they like you can be dangerous because of how strong you feel on it. And it can kind of not mess up a situation, but it can make your feelings harder to decipher when you are off of it. Do you you feel like that's a fair assessment? (laughs) 
Yep. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it can be quite confusing because you feel like you're in love uh, when you're on it. Uh, you're just yeah. in love because you're in a loving space. And if you're doing it with somebody who's uh, a sexual partner or a romantic possibility, yeah, it can trick you into thinking that, oh, I'm really in love with this person. Oh, my God, I didn't realize it. Uh, when you're not really there. Um, so it, it can be confusing in that way. That's why in the early days uh, in California, in the 80s, uh, people using MDMA, there was a, this little in-joke that people had a bumper sticker that said, don't get married within two weeks of rolling. <laughs> yeah. That's probably good advice then. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. So, but I mean, that the first time that you guys took it together, were you still like in your casual phase or had you already decided like, oh, we're, we're doing this thing? We've been together almost a year. Yeah, so we, we, were, we were definitely a committed couple by then. Got it. Okay, got it. So yeah. it wasn't too early that that situation would have happened to you. Right. No. Right, no. So the last thing I kind of want to just talk about is how might someone approach taking MDMA for the first time? Or I guess even to take it back further, how might someone maybe approach that conversation with their partner in the first place? Maybe they've read the book or they've listened to an interview with a power podcast and they understand that there might be benefits to doing it with a partner, but they want to, I guess, have that conversation. Good. So uh, the last chapter of my book uh-huh. Uh, deal is a guide to safe use. And I go into detail about how to minimize the risks and maximize the benefits. And uh, when you're with somebody and you want to maybe try this for the first time, uh, it's, uh, it's, you have to understand that uh, if the other person is not open to it or is afraid of it, that yeah. you have to be gentle with them. Uh, and not try to pressure them into doing it because that's a bad mindset going into the experience. Okay. Uh, and so uh, the best thing you can do is if you want to do it and the other person is reluctant or hesitant to just keep having your own experiences and tell them about it. Uh, let yourself shine and let them see how this medicine is benefiting you. Yeah. And then they'll eventually, hopefully, come around. Uh, but you don't want to pressure them into it. Uh, but you want to just answer their questions and uh, and let them know that, uh, uh, in, in your opinion, this can be something that can deepen the relationship and add a whole other layer of not only depth and intimacy, but fun and play Right. And joy, which we have found could be in themselves transformational experiences. So I love that because I feel like a lot of times with, I mean, with any substances, but with something like MDMA or maybe like, you know, LSD or mushrooms, a lot of people's first times ends up being not thought out. It's not a conversation the way that we're talking about right now. It's like somebody has it at a, at a party and they decide in the moment impulsively to take it, which can be a fine experience. But a lot of times I think sometimes people assume that that's the only way that they're going to do something like that versus this feels so much more thought out. And it's like, like we've talked about, I guess, this whole episode. It's like, how can you have a bad experience when you go into something so thoughtfully and carefully? Right. It's uh, we found it to be for us 
impossible to have a bad experience. But I must say that that's not necessarily true for anyone listening. Uh, and I, I need to say I'm not an MD. Uh, I'm not here to give advice about uh, taking medicines like this. They're very powerful. Yeah. They're potentially dangerous. They're not for everyone. And I talk in the book about certain people who have certain conditions that should not do MDMA ever. So it's not for everyone. Uh, And what works for Shelly and I may not work for you, but uh, it, it, it has worked for us to have this moderate thought out approach to it and taking the wisdom that we've learned from the whole psychedelic community about how to use these powerful medicines correctly. I love that. And another thing too, before we finish is I just, I like that you guys have done it in so many different ways. So it's like, I think a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of times correlate MDMA as a party drug. And I think it's important to note that if you are going to do it and you're going to do it safely and you're ready, that it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to wait for raves to open back up. That's right. That's right. You don't. (laughs) Um, And and I wouldn't try it at a rave if you're going to do it for the first time, because you want to be, you know, open to, to, whatever might have, uh, whatever may come. As a matter of fact, most people that I know who have done it for the first time want to cocoon. They want to like wrap themselves in a blanket for the first three hours, just go (laughs) inside and feel their way through it and how to work with it and see what it's saying to them. Uh, And it's good to have that as an option and you can't have that option at a rave. Right. No, definitely not. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I think that's a great place to wrap up. This was super enlightening. I feel like I learned so much in the, in the past 44 minutes about MDMA that I would have never learned otherwise. Oh, good. We're we're glad. Uh, We we like telling people about the story and, and the book I must say is, is um, it's, it's not just a how to guide. It's a story of Of us us (laughs) and, and how we, uh, met and also like entered a world in the early 2000s, uh, a sort of a forbidden world at the time of drug yeah. users and, uh, and, and found that world to be enchanted and opened our lives up to friendship and fun and freedom and, and, and all that good stuff that we never thought possible in, at the time in middle age. Um, it helped us, uh, uh, become uh, seniors in a way that we never thought could be so much fun and, and so joyful. So I thank you for the opportunity to come on your wonderful show and tell your people about this uh, this, this experience. Hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, you know, for everybody listening, you can, uh, I, I think, as you said, you can get the book on Amazon, Listening to Ecstasy, The Transformative Power of MDMA. It's available now um, if you're more interested in learning about Charlie and Shelley's story. Thank you guys again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.